Hi everyone, welcome back to Kingmaker. I apologize personally for how long this episode has taken to release. Uh, I have made a very large cross-country move, and I did not have my computer for a number of weeks. And also, the audio for this one was tough. We had a lot of issues technically, and it was also spread over two sessions because of how long it was. Um, about at the hour mark, we will note that we're just going to do some cuts to make it much faster to get through the rest of this uh, rest of the year because it does take an absurdly long time to do each of these turns and doing 12 of them in a row like the book asks is a very heavy lift. So that's pretty much it. I'm going to jump right into the episode here. As always, you can find us at goblinsandgambles.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere now. Um, and if we're not somewhere and you want us there, please just email us, info at goblinsandgambles.com or tweet at us and we'll get it added. I will talk to you again quite frequently and soon. Goodbye. Welcome back to Kingmaker. Fuck yeah. I was so excited until you told me what we're doing tonight. <laughs> Today is spreadsheet day. Oh, no. Is there any chance you could throw a combat in just for the people who don't? Oh, there'll be dice rolls for sure. Oh, good. Dice rolls with no combat. You know I'm here for dice combat. Well, then go to a different podcast. Got him. I started this one. <laughs> you guys want to go do Glaricon somewhere else without Connor? Yeah, or, well, let's not Galera Con. Horses. Yeah, that's what I mean. Hell's horses. Yeah. Hell's horses. combat. Hell's horses. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. At least I get to role play in Monster of the Week. You're gonna make us look at spreadsheets for two hours and like try to be entertaining about it. I don't know if this needs to be entertaining, right? This is part of the Kingmaker campaign. It's a recording for people to listen to. If people don't want to listen to it, skip it. It's real easy. This is good because I, I forget how to get to this fucking spreadsheet. It's okay. You don't have to manage it in any meaningful way. I will be doing all of the spreadsheeting for you while we discuss it. Should we start by going through it and reminding us what we did last time? Because that uh, was even a while back. We assigned positions, assumed our type of, I'm going to say monarchy, even though that's not we picked, our type of ruling. How the fuck? We have got uh, Marcus Devoir, the spy master. We have Baynard Clark, our new ruler. The new the the new king. We have Balmir Harkum, the grand diplomat in absentia or in absentia. Um, we have Anorandal, the uh, the royal enforcer, is a new recruit to the team. Uh, and then Travis, the trapper, is our warden. Yeah, what do we name him? Uh, Connor just made the screen way too small for me to read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we have Tarvis, the hunter, his brother, who will be acting as our marshal. We have John Hand Cock. Um, our counselor, uh, near second yeah. to be our king, our ruler. Uh, Oleg Levton is the treasurer, the, the outpost main man. Uh, now your cousin 
Baynard, uh, Perthinus, Perthinus, I think, right? Perthinus. Um, he's our high priest because you wanted your grandfather and the ruler near your home would not allow your grandfather to come uh, away from his service. We have Chief Sootscale as our, vo- our viceroy, the, uh, the Sootscale tribe of... Uh, of kobolds, the leader of those is our our viceroy, which is going to be weird. I think mm-hmm. it's be awesome. Um, Akiros is someone who we plan on asking on being our general, the um, that uh, samurai kind of motherfucker who uh, who fought the against the bandits with us in the now capital of our yes. our place. He was um, the stag lord's left hand man. And Bogan, the potion seller, potion maker, um, is someone we want to ask to be our magister. And I can't remember the name of our capital or our actual kingdom. Uh, it was something to do with antlers. Well, the good news is, the next tab over, the kingdom of Remur. Remur? Eric, tell us about Remur. You guys made me the leader for some reason. I don't know why. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, that's we're founded on the principles of Erastel, I assume. There's going to be a lot of arrows given around as gifts is my other assumption. Uh, so we're going to be neutral good, and it's going to be based on like family and the hearth, everyone taking care of each other is the, is the idea. We'll see how that goes. I'm picturing all of us in your inner circle wearing like an arrowhead that you gave us on like a necklace. Not a chance. And like some weird like fruit. Yeah, like, and all of us begrudgingly have it, but you're like, well, where's your necklace? We're like, uh, pull it out of the pocket and put it on for council. You're only wearing one piece of flair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baynard makes us wear, like, pins and, like, you have to, like, his crown has, like, a bow on the forehead that turns into antlers and it's incredibly garish, but we're like, no one can tell him because he's the king. Does Baynard's uh, stats carry over correctly? Because it still shows us a minus one for his bonus. Yes, so we're going to get to this spreadsheet here. I thought we bought him something. Uh, no. The alluring has had been a Christmas, something we plan on buying him, but we Connor didn't want us doing shopping while we set up this stuff. Yeah, yeah. you do not have access to that at the moment. So you've set up your kingdom of Remure. Uh, it is a neutral good, and you've chosen a theocracy, obviously, to worship a rastal. Uh, that theocracy gives you a negative one corruption score, plus one lore, plus one law, and negative one society. Kind of strange. Not sure why. So be it. Uh, This sheet here is just a rough overview of everything. It's got all of your stats, all of your rulers and their stats, and then kingdom size, etc., etc. Next page over is a more detailed look at the kingdom, how many hexes you control, what their population is, um, each of your terrain improvements, which we'll get to in a bit, Aqueducts, bridges. Is that how you spell aqueduct? Yeah. Aqueduct. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, you have claimed one hex so far. So we've already sort of half done a turn. Your first hex claim was where the stag fort was, which is a hill and a river. And we get a bonus point for having a fort, right? Or like a half a construction point for that? So yeah, you get half the construction cost towards a castle for being in that abandoned fort. Locale. The next tab is our city city summary. So your capital city of Kaber or Kaber. Kaber. However you want Kaber. Remur and Kaber. They're both different uh, Gaelic words for antler and horn, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a bunch of details, which we'll get to. This page is our turn sequence, which we'll get to. Events come during turns. Bunch of charts for me. Uh, building details. So when we get to the point where you are building things, each of these buildings has a cost. What amount of a city it takes up and what it provides. And in each city, there are districts. And each district is nine squares of four. And then each building takes up a certain number of those squares. So an arena takes up a full four squares of a city district. So one block, essentially. Each turn is a month. And the overarching idea from the book itself is to do a year without any other adventuring to found your kingdom. Okay. Right, so it takes a month to clear out that acre or that hex to make your kingdom. So that's January's done is just establishing your kingdom. Then the next turn we do some stuff and do some stuff. It'll go fairly quickly once we get the hang of it. Yeah, yeah. And then they will become less frequent in future episodes. But for now, so we're going to do a bunch in a row. From a role-playing standpoint, then we get to do the kind of fun thing where like we'll do these three turns and then it'll be whatever, like three months later, and we just get to fill in the gaps there. And then like we do our full year and it's like a year has passed. Yeah, yeah. So okay. each of these turns, there's an event that happens as well from the table. It's a random event. So it does give us an opportunity to do something rather than just click, 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 click. We'll get to that. Again, Like it's this is a huge rule dump. Again, if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. But if you've made it this far, it's because you like the Kingmaker campaign. So stick around, learn some rules. So uh, much like magic, we start with an upkeep phase. And during a kingdom's upkeep phase, you take the following actions. And if we currently control no hexes, we skip that phase and go right to the improvement phase. So we're going to skip it. So during a kingdom's improvement phase, take the following actions. The number of improvements you can make during a single phase is limited by your kingdom's size. See the improvements per month table at the end of the page for these limits. So step one, select leadership, which we've already done. Step two, claim hexes, which we've already done. Step three, scroll past three pages of pictures. Establish and improve cities. So now we prepare our land for city districts and purchase new buildings for our kingdom cities. The building's adjustments to our nation apply immediately, and we can also destroy buildings in order to clear space to build something new. Hmm. So now we can build a thing. Cool. You can build one thing at a kingdom size of one. So if we go back to our spreadsheet and we go to our city. This should have been a stream. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much visual. I guess we'll just tweet out like the picture of our city from each phase. Is that something you'd be willing to do? I do it with the maps anyways. It's the same thing here. You tweet the maps? Uh, they're in the show notes, yeah. Cool. So now you get to build a building. And there is all of these pictures of buildings here. And then in the rules, which I'll drag over, there are stacks of buildings somewhere. You, It was, bef- if it was before the pictures, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, this is just Catan with more steps. At the moment, yeah. There's a road building phase. (laughs) There is a road building phase, yep. So yeah, here's several pages of buildings, their costs, and what they do. So for instance, an academy is 52 build points. It's an institution of higher learning that can focus on any area of knowledge or education. 
It halves the costs of future casters' towers, libraries, and magic shops in the same city. Cool. It can hold three minor items, two medium items, gives an economy plus two and a loyalty plus two. So those item bits are future magical items that the kingdom will be producing. Cool. Yes. Um, I, I want to put forward then that with us being a theocracy, we should make the first thing a cathedral. Either uh, boost up the, the fort to a castle or build like a church. Um, but I guess we could wait to do that until we take back that hex with, with the, the temple already in it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, that'll be up to you guys to figure out. But you have 50 BP, 50 build points from a gift from Restov. And it's cost one to clear this hex. So at the moment, you have 49 BP. Then we can make 10 brothels at 4 BP. They must be adjacent to one house, a place to pay for companionship of any sort. They add a plus one to economy, plus two to loyalty, and a plus one to unrest. Because nobody's <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. We should make a graveyard for 4 BP, so uh, Baynard has somewhere to put Marcus. <laughs> and all <Wow>. those pigs. <laughs> Aren't we sad when we start losing those two pigs? What's our current stats for, like, city? Nothing. That might be nothing. Like you have nothing built. This is brand new city. Okay, but, like, with all of our stuff applied from our counselors and leaders and whatnot, what, what are we looking at in terms of stuff is what I'm trying to get at. Like, should we be looking to boost ourselves in a way like from unrest or our economy. Oh, I see what you mean. Sure. So your economy at the moment gives you a plus five. Loyalty is plus five and stability is plus 13. Pretty good. So each of those checks has a thing that will happen either in events or at the beginning of each turn, there's a an unrest check against your control DC over here on the right and you use your stability plus your roll. For that one, generally the king will do that. He gets to roll the big unrestful. And then those things, yeah, cities will give those details, as will edicts, events. Terrain can change some of them, and alignments and stuff. Our attribute bonuses, some of them, like, I'm pretty sure my guy can change what his bonus is applied to. Yes. Yeah, it lets you pick uh, based on, a, like, mine is either based on my my wisdom or my no, strength. No, no, I mean, I mean yours. No, no, no. Your things only apply to stability or loyalty, yes. whereas I can change mine. The master can move his around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, like, if we're going into a phase where, like, we're going to have to make sure our economy's on point, I can change mine. That's neat. Yeah, so early game, economy's probably a good one to be, um, because your unrest is fairly low. Yeah, you can keep stability by going outside and going, hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, if we move you around, your economy then becomes 10 because you're a plus 5. Loyalty is plus 5 and stability is now plus 8. So fairly good picks. Nice balance to it. I think a castle is the best idea to start with. Um, yeah, because we get half off of it. Half off and like you chose this area specifically for its fortification. Ooh. Does someone want to read what the castle does? Sure, Liam. Go for it. <laughs> Let's let the king read it. I was going to say, I did, I did the brothel. My the heart of my defenses. Uh, it has the cost of a noble villa. Can't wait to get one of those. <laughs> Town hall, economies plus two, loyalty plus two, stability plus two, defense modifier plus eight, unrest minus four, limit one per city. That's really cool. So that one's pretty huge. That's yeah, very. Plus good getting thing. half off. I feel like it's the reason the stag fort exists. 
<laughs> so at this point, we've spent 28 BP, right? 27. Well, one to clear the hex. Yes, plus the one to clear the hex. You're correct. What we do on this page is we note that you have one castle. God, I love Excel. And it updates all the shit for me. I'm going to have to find whoever these people are and send them money because this has saved me days of work easily. So you'll see now that this one improvement shows that we have updated our city to a population of 100. Our economy is now plus two to it. Loyalty plus two. Stability plus two. Danger negative 10. Super good. Cool. Corruption negative one. Also very good. It doesn't increase crime in any meaningful way. It does increase law and it does increase lore. Kind of nifty. So now we can take our building images. You also forgot that it adds uh, plus one to fame, it looked like. Did it? Yeah. I missed fame. Uh, up in the top right, fame. It's it, turns, it takes our village up to one fame. Oh, fame and infamy. Yes, yes. Good eye. We have our castle. Control C, city map. Control V. There it is. So this is our first district. Now, after doing all of that, we have to go back to our overall tab here and remove 27 from our treasury. So 49 minus 27 is 22. Oleg, could you uh, handle this for us? Thank you. Yes, yes. That is Oleg's job, yes. Da, da, comrade. This is Oleg treasure, yes. Okay, so we have now established and improved our first city of Kiber. Step four of your improvements phase is to build roads. Roads have an immediate initial cost, but over the long term, they pay for the investment handsomely. It costs one BP to build a road through X, and it increases to two BP for forests, four for swamps and mountains. If it crosses a river or bridge, sorry, if it crosses a river, a bridge must be built, and that doubles the road's cost. Yes, we will build that bridge. We have a bridge. A shitty bridge. I'm going to pop open... Roll 20 to show you your hex so that you remember what it looks like. In the Stolen Lands, you guys have... Oh, fuck off. Clan and Bond. I've claimed Fort Stag, which you can see here is G19 in my notes. The fort is at the top of this hill in the south corner. I guess it's not quite south. Uh, Down by Tuskwater Lake. Yes, the Tuskwater Lake. And then there's a river to your left and a river to your right. And then fields to the north. So I assume your kingdom is on the shore of the lake. Ooh, pretty. And defensible. And the bridge is a couple hexes to the north here. <laughs> there's a token for the bridge. Yes, there is. It, it needed its own thing. You obviously haven't been looking at the maps, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't know this map existed. What are you talking about? We use it all the time. It doesn't have the details you have. It didn't have, it didn't have all these tokens on it. We don't get to see those. Yeah, you've never zoomed in on this. Oh, okay. Yeah, like all the little ones we did from the fight and stuff, like there's the dead boar, there's the funny green frog tusk thing from the, the boggard swamp, there are the tatzel worms. Yeah, this is this is very fun. Thank you. Oh, Billy. Billy the dead trapdoor spider. Why would you put that on there? <laughs> it was for the, uh, the show notes, so that people know what's going on. It's true. So, you guys are here. You get to determine which way you want to point your road. You pick a cardinal direction on this hex. I was going to say, we should probably build to Oleg's. Yeah, so that would be up through F18. So you say cardinal direction. One of the six points. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. Would it be prudent since there's already, like I know there's already a bridge at the Thorn River on, uh, on E19 to hexes up. We would have to reinforce that bridge. 
Should we just then go through F-19 up into the right to the east to cut past the Sycamore? Or should we should we go up through um, F-18, E-19, and D-19 to one, fortify the bridges already there and cut through where we found that gold deposit? Well, yeah, that's probably the better thing to do. Save some construction. And then we don't go into the forest at all. Unfortunately, you guys don't get to make any decisions. Let's ask the king. Yeah, we're, we're advising. <laughs> yes, so you are building your first road uh, in your first hex, and you're going to choose a direction. F-18, then bridge, then gold cave. A very good idea, my liege, and one that you thought of all on your own with no help from us. I'm going to kill you. Exactly what Taylor said. So that means that your first road, which cost one BP, is done. And we go back to the rules to see what that means. A road in one month? The Ontario government could really learn a thing or two from Kingmaker. <laughs> Can we build more than one road at a time? Uh, no. Gotcha, okay. So next is establishing farmlands. At this point, you can develop any hill or grassland hex that contains a road into a farmland. You do not have any other hexes at the moment, so you cannot do this. Okay. Next turn. That's good. That we're with the with the uh, grassland we just took, though. That'll be good for our next turn. Yes, exactly. Step six are your edicts. You can pick or adjust your edict levels. So this is going to be a thing. So there are promotions, taxes, and festivals in your edict bag. You increase these. You use these to increase stability, economy, and loyalty scores. The promotions can include recruitments, advertisements, and propaganda campaigns. Taxes are payments gathered from a kingdom citizens to help pay for consumption. Coming up later. Festivals, which can include parades and other public events, increase a kingdom's happiness and loyalty. It very specifically says that kingdoms of Erastal aren't super into festivals, because that's time away from the farm. That's fun. That's awesome. But it does list a few very special days, so... That's a thing. So here you will set your edict level. What's that now? Uh, the promotions are none, token, standard, aggressive, and expansionist. Negative one, plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. And they each have a cost associated with them in BP. So one BP for just a regular go about, two BP for normal, and then it doubles. Yes, Liam? Um, I'm sure this is going to come up, but it, what's the way, like, it's part of the turns, how much BP we earn Yes. Each turn. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, I feel like now we should spend a lot of it with, like, the expansionist being an option. But obviously, if it's not going to come back quickly. Yeah, it's probably not going to come back very fast. That's why we should do expansions, because then we can get the BP back to build stuff. I think the consumption means that, like, we spend 8 BP that turn. Oh, um, gotcha. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Being an expansionist obviously costs more because you're spending resources. I misread that. I think technically we should be forced to take it in our first turn or two sometime. No, because again, it's it's a bunch of people showing up that want to establish a new kingdom, right? These are your... Find a new god. Yeah, more or less. You can make a religion out of this. <laughs> there already is one. In our dank river valley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, again, it'll come from the king with his advisors. Your... Um, treasurer Oleg is going to want fairly heavy taxation to build up the coffers. You can determine how you want to do that. And again, you can look at 
what your current lo- current loyalty is and see what you can sort of take as a hit. We have seven loyalty. We should go highest, go negative eight. Be like, you want to come in? You want to join us now that we're we're getting our foot no. in the door? Get on the fight. ground level, people. Multi-level marketing. Let's do this. Currently, our economy's pretty strong, though. Got 12? Yeah, the economy is quite strong. So there's something to balance against there. I think we should go for heavy. It's minus four. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe normal. It's only minus two. I was going to say, what if we, uh, what if we put um, the, the boiling frog method into place? Light to normal at most. Like, be like, oh, it's a heavy year. Let's go to normal. And then once everyone's settled and we have a few, like, hundred people, it's like, oh, we, we were lying. Normal was normal. Heavy and overwhelming are coming right now. <laughs> Fuck your day up. Give us your money. You already live here. Give us your money. Yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I'm so upset. I've been so upset for like five years. Yeah. First I did my own taxes and it's like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So you want a normal taxation level, yes? Yeah, normal. I think Oleg will accept that. <laughs> I just think this, the cost to go up to heavy is too much. Yeah. Like normal's negative two. Yeah. Plus two, negative two for normal, and then plus three, negative four. Yeah. For heavy. It's like overwhelming, which is plus four, negative eight to loyalty. I feel like you only do in like Fable three moments where you desperately need to boost the number as quick as possible. Yeah. So do you want to be an aggressive expansion kingdom? Do you want to be just normal growth or do you want just to maintain for the most part? Eric, I mean, this, I think this one, this has to be Baynard's gut feeling. Like, is he, I picture Baynard really wants people to be into Erastil. And so taking like, obviously probably not expansionist, but like aggressive, just like boots on the ground. I feel like he'd be aggressive. But he's not going to force people though. How much BP do we gain in a turn usually? Um, so we can check here. Your current BP, where's your consumption? Let's find that. It's right there. Right there doesn't help me, dude. <laughs> Sorry, above, above all the edict stuff you were looking at. There's your consumption is two. Okay. So consumption is currently two. How much do we gain in a turn? It doesn't say. Income's above it. So there's no income yet. So obviously there's nothing that's generating income. Ooh. We still got 20 points. However, there's also exploding dice events. So there's a thing where it's like, hey, your economy's booming. Every time you roll a six, keep rolling a six or keep rolling. And then you add all of that to your treasury. So there's tons of shit like that that might happen. I love exploding dice. You also might get assassinated. So amazing. Taylor, you and I have to make sure that doesn't happen, I guess. Uh. We have to write a letter to to Balmer and be like, great news. You're the king here. Great news. Baynard's dead. (laughs) Huzzah. So I, I think if we want to look at it this way, we can't start having money come in or BP come in, I should say, until we have a couple more hexes. So at the very least, we want to leave ourselves with like maybe five points so we can build more ro- roads. Should have uh, more buildings in our one city. Yeah. But um, like if we if we go into a few of all the hexes that we're going to be going through on our way up to Oleg's are farmable. And so if we just keep enough to put a good road through all of them, we can risk the eight out of 21 we'd spend to be hyper aggressive with our expansion off the cuff. Yeah, but you can only spend one a month, right? Yeah, but it's that's the thing. I I think the edict part of it is going to be a little removed from that. Yeah. Yeah, but the edict is also, all it's doing here is your stability bonus, 
which is quite high at the moment. So you don't really need to worry about it too much. Yeah, we don't need it. I think we should even just do none right now. None, okay. I, I think we're wasting our resources right now on that, and I don't think we need it. Okay. Yeah, Connor's like, all right, so if you didn't save 15 points, I'm going to roll a bunch of dice to see if uh, if you get assassinated again. Stop trying to kill Baynard. He's my favorite path char- Pathfinder character I've ever played. Eric, did I tell you about my Ergothoa cleric? You made an Ergothoa cleric? He doesn't know. Ergothoa lets you be neutral, and this dude was just, like, very sickly. And then, so, like, he just, like, is wandering around trying to, like, find... It's it's based on Bloodborne, just, like, trying to, like, get well from, like, very dubious means. And he's just, like, leaning on a on the handle of a scythe from the farm he lived on. No scythe chain... Or, no scythe blade on it. Just, like, withering away and dying, but, like, kept alive by some force he doesn't understand. That's cool. A lot of fun. Um, but he he would have to skew evil for neutral, even though he's... Uh, Ergothoa can go true neutral. Baynard, uh, a cleric of Glonder, who's going to pretend to be, <gasps> he's going to pretend to be a cleric of Arastal. But I think was like, ah, I don't want to do that. That's too tough. Not not for this. I think you'd be able to get away with it more with, yeah, Arastal and Desna specifically would be so good for that. Yeah. It's because we had just played Raven War, right? So it's like, oh, that'd be fun. We are now into the income phase of the kingdom management turn. Nice, it's Thursday night, baby. What's up? <laughs> Payday tomorrow. Is it? It's Tuesday. No, it's Tuesday. It's always Tuesday, Connor. <laughs> it's always Tuesday. So step one is your deposits. You may add funds to a kingdom's treasury by donating coins, gems, jewelry, weapons, armor, magic items, and other valuables. For every full 4,000 GP in value, you get one BP. Hmm. You guys have been keeping track of your treasures. Yeah. You did have a shit ton of furs and stuff to turn into BP. And all the gold from the basement. I didn't know how much that was. I didn't write that down. Uh, I think it's in the Kingmaker loot. Yeah, because it was just, it was either something you put down or it was written directly in the book. And so you said not to worry about it. I assume you were just going to turn it into BP without us knowing what BP was yet. I can do that if you prefer. We have to buy Eric a headband. Yeah, we were going to use some of that for the headband and then I think turn the rest into BP. You needed something. What you need, motherfucker, I found this out for I think five gold. You can get a spring-loaded dagger arm sheath, so you could keep both your hands free for ten gold and just shoot your daggers out as a as a swift action. No, you know what I did? We allowed the purchase of leaf armor for me. Yes, we did. <sighs> Pylon had leaf armor. He spent all of his gold at the beginning on leaf armor, and I never wore it, never factored into my stats, and now he's gone. <laughs> I should have murdered your ass. So, I'm going to give you. 12,000 GP of stuff from the basement. The basement, yep. Plus our trade, or does that count the furs and junk? Yeah, that's everything in the King Ma- Kingmaker loot chat. Awesome. So that's 12,000 total. So that could be 4,000 towards uh, B- or BP if we needed uh, three times over, but we could also buy the stuff Eric and Demarcus need. And if there's money left over for a plus one Morningstar... Actually, you know what? Sorry, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it sixteen. I'm gonna make it sixteen. Okay. Yeah. If there's uh, if there is a uh, bit of gold left over to plus one anything I have, I wear a breastplate and I wear and I use a, a long spear and a morning star. Not a chance. You're new. So, do you want to make any deposits or do you want to hold on to that sixteen thousand GP? For now, let's hang on to it as gold. I feel like until we expand, it does make sense. To, like from like a fiction standpoint, it lives in the in the fort. 
It's gold. Like we, we can withdraw BP ourselves as well. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. It said in the book it was um, 2,000 GP come out of every BP if you withdraw it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you're yeah, right. Yeah, so you can also withdraw funds. That's step two. After deposits, you can do withdrawals. Um, it might annoy the citizens. Each time you withdraw, unrest increases by one, and you make a loyalty check. Can you imagine? It's like, it, this is like the that the unrest mechanic there is because of like embezzlement or whatever. But like, can you imagine? It's like, can you believe the, the premier pulled out funds from the education to buy himself a fucking fire long sword. <laughs> and, uh, and it sounds like, well, yeah, but he's got to fight the orc hordes. And it's like, yeah, but like there's a pothole outside of my house. It's good. I'd watch this, like this, this goofy parks and rec in fantasy land show. That'd be good. Actually. Yeah. Just the fucking doldrum. It would just be a Monty Python skit. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> And you've got orcs on the elevator going like, third floor, please. And it's like, please repeat the floor. It's like, third floor, please. All right, you've had enough. Step three, sell valuable items. You're not doing any of that, so it doesn't matter. There's a bunch of shit that happens. Step four, generate income. Make an economy check against your command DC at the end of your income phase. If you're successful, divide your result by five and increase your treasury's treasury's BP amount. So we get to do our first check. Cool. Your control DC is 22. Your economy is plus 12. I think we give the king the first roll. I feel like he should always do these. Like, unless there's some reason Eric would not be, like, present as Baynard, I think the control always should be him. Because he rolls well. It depends on depends on certain checks. Depends on... So, like, if there's a spy master check, right, we're going to go to Marcus for it. Oh, okay. So the control DC is not just at the... It is just the overall... This is what you're rolling against for the most part. Okay. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Makes it simple. And that's a part of all sorts of things, right? So your unrest is added to your control DC and blah, 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 blah. Do you want to know the results of my die? Yes, please. I rolled a 17. Holy shit. So that's a third, 29. Yeah. Very good. 29 divided by five. Rounding down. So five BP. Dropping fractions. So yeah, 5 BP. That's pretty huge. Couldn't roll an 18. What a fuck. It's funny seeing Connor whip around through a thousand tabs and suddenly seeing the price of wheat. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for the income phase. So that one's actually pretty quick. Um, Once we get rolling with it, it'll be like, we're going to build a roll here. Let's a farm here. Do all the math. Then we move on to the event phase. During a kingdom's event phase, we roll once on the kingdom events table to determine if an event occurs. Adventure-specific kingdom events occur during this phase. Once you've determined what kind of event occurs, if any, simply follow the rules for each event to determine how that event impacts the PC's kingdom or cities. And now this was 25%. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say this would happen during the that week of it, or would it happen at some point throughout the entire month? Some point through the month. And it okay. depends on what it is. Uh, I'm not going to show you the table. It's none of your business. Yeah, that makes sense. But so, like, if if we decide at the start of a turn that, like, Marcus needs to go and do a thing out of town and an event happens, like, we have to account for that? Or, like, do we do we play that out based on the event and then decide what we were doing with the rest of the month because of that? Uh, we'll figure it out. I'm, okay. You're thinking too hard. <laughs> too much roleplay. Scale it back. Yeah. That was more mechanical roleplay than anything. So, when a random event has happened, let's see what it is. 
you are in the midst of a public scandal, Baynard. Oh, boy. Of course. (laughs) I think, yeah, it's something benign for your first public scandal. And as a new leader, I think that's to be expected that some of your... Like, of course, Baynard would fuck up. Like, okay. Okay, you know what he did? He went up to a lady and said, congratulations on being pregnant. And she wasn't pregnant. Baynard would be the guy to do that. Yeah, that's Baynard. For your first public scandal, you will need to test the loyalty of your kingdom. You will need to do a loyalty check based on your control DC. With a plus seven, you got to roll pretty high for this one, buddy. Uh, It's not good enough. It's rough. 20 out of 22 is not good enough. This will have an impact. If you fail a loyalty check, increased unrest by two and suffer a negative four penalty on all royal loyalty checks until your next event phase. Now, it's worth noting the event phases have a higher instance of happening if you didn't have one last turn, but yes, it's the same 25% if we had one already. Yep. So there's a chance that this doesn't harm us too, too bad, but it still gives us that negative. So and that, that minus is two from it, so loyalty just changed to five. Is it minus two? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Increase you added two. two. Well, negative four on loyalty. That's rough. So we technically only have one loyalty for right now because our unrest is until the at, next event. Yeah, and then we'll remove obviously the other temp on the next event. And that is it for the first turn of your kingdom. Hey, we fucked up. <laughs> All right, next phase. And it wants us to do twelve in a row. Okay. All right, do it. Um, I was changing my thing from economy to. Uh, I guess loyalty? We'll get there. Oh, sorry. I thought that was part of you. Nope. That's, that'll be select leadership when you can change your leadership stuff. Oh, okay. So we start our upkeep with what we've got going on. So this is our first upkeep phase because the first turn does not get an upkeep. So we make a stability check against our command DC to determine our kingdom's level of security for the month. If you make the check, reduce your kingdom's unrest by one. If your unrest is at zero, gain a BP. And as a result of surplus goods and services... If you fail this check by five or more, increase unrest by two. So your unrest is presently at two, and you have a control DC of 22 and a stability of eight. So 14 or higher. I'm rolling this? Yep. Yep. 19 plus eight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I believe it was just by one, yes? Damn. And if we get it down to to zero, we get more... We get a bonus little thing from surplus. Okay. Yes. So that really is just untapping our mana. (laughs) Yeah. Untap, upkeep, draw. Step two, pay consumption. We deduct our kingdom's consumption from the kingdom's treasury. And if we go into the negatives, we increase unrest by two. So you have a consumption of two at the moment. And that sets your treasury to 24. Tell Oleg to to lie and say we don't have it. You don't want to do that. Step three, fill vacant magic item slots, which you do not have. Skipping. That is very cool. Like, as soon as we build something that can build it, we just get a magic item every month. Uh, Yeah, you can go buy them. You don't just get them. No, no, but they're they're like, they're there. It's such a cool thing. It's this capitalist Galarian. (laughs) Step four, unrest. If the kingdom's unrest is 11 or higher, you lose one hex chosen by the leaders. Any improvement in that hex are lost and must be rebuilt after it is reclaimed. Any settlements in that hex become towns that must be annexed if they're reclaimed. 
And finally, if the kingdom employs a royal assassin, reduce your total unrest by one at the end of this phase. We don't have a royal assassin. I th- I think that's technically the royal enforcer. Yeah. That is me. <laughs> I am our enforcer. So if you want to send me around the country and kill people, we can get less unrest. That's very fun. It's it's weird because that, that role just kind of disappears between yeah. the player book and like the actual playbook. I think based on it, the enforcer could be it, but I also yeah. think there's a reason to um a reason to assign it to you, Taylor, because you can change your roles. Like if you're doing it that turn, if that's the role you take on, you do it. If it's not a full separate thing. It, yeah, it is a separate thing. You, you are the royal, royal, royal enforcer. Are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So that's uh I was originally gonna be do that. Negative one to unrest sets your unrest back to zero. You got a good time. <laughs> I went and killed the lady. <laughs> I am sorry, this must be done. <laughs> just like, and I have a long spear. I'm just like, hold still. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> if you are pregnant, you wouldn't be doing this. Uh, now we can change our leadership roles. We can fill any vacant roles. We can move people around. Taylor, you can update your thing. So I'll switch it to loyalty so that we're not totally boned. Do you want loyalty or do you want economy? Purse? Personally, I would say economy just so we can keep buying stuff, but I will speak to my liege lord, I guess. You need to assign your spy master for the month, Baynard. Uh, what are we lowest in? Uh, if we leave it as it was, loyalty, because you fucked up. You screwed the pooch. <laughs> yeah. Although the negative four would come away after that last turn. No, after the next event. Yeah, probably could have them in loyalty then. So I don't like entirely cancel it out. I only get as what, a plus one on it, technically? Yeah. Plus one is a lot when we got to beat a 22, though. It means the fact that we would be able to do it. Because <laughs> we have, what, plus three with the negative four? Mm-hmm. Yeah, every little bit. So we would want... I would... I would think loyalty just to not risk that role, but plus plus three versus plus four isn't terrible. It's not like it's impossible. Well, no, no, no. You you do give it plus five, right? You go up to eight. Oh, okay. It's up to you guys. Because our loyalty this start is only at seven. Yeah, I want in loyalty, I think, for now. Okay. I think that's also a good idea. Uh, now you can claim a hex. So we can now go claim... Hex. F-18. You can claim the farmlands. Yeah. I think that is a good idea. So now, we change the size of your kingdom. You are now two hexes. And that changes your consumption. It changes your population. And some other shit. We move on to the next rule. Was I think building roads? No, building improvements. Yeah, I think it's improvements next. Establish and improve cities. You can prepare land for city districts and purchase new buildings for your kingdom cities. Uh, if you want to build a building, you may do so. There's a bunch. We can go through them if you like. Might be good to do it just the one time. Not like in full detail, but just kind of a rough idea of the effect blanket. Does anything generate BP? How about that? Oh yeah, tons of stuff generates BP, for sure. You look to that. So. That's my vote. Let's let's just look at anything that's like that we can afford. Yeah, Academy's out. An alchemist you could do. A laboratory and home of a creator of potions, poisons, and 
alchemical items. We should probably either save the alchemist to like build up um Bakken Square or as an incentive to bring him into town. You can build a brewery, that's only six BP. A brothel's only four BP. A city wall is eight BP. A dump is four BP. A craftsman is ten BP, but you need a house, so we'll see what houses are. Uh garrison you might get away with. It's twenty-eight BP. A granary is twelve BP. Graveyard is four. Guild hall's too much at thirty-four. An herbalist at ten. A uh, house is 3 BP. It's a number of mid-sized houses for citizens. Home serve as prerequisites for many other buildings. The first house you build during any improvement phase does not count against the total number of buildings you can build during the phase. Ooh, and it gives you negative one unrest. So you can build a house and something else. That's cool. Do it. And it, I, I like that it doesn't account for one house. It is a, a neighborhood. Then you can have an inn for 10 BP, a jail for 14. But some of those must be built next to a house. Yes. Yes. I am just skipping over that part. Uh, library is 6 BP. Luxury store, magic shop are out of your range. A mansion is 10 BP. A uh, single huge manor housing a rich family and its servants. You get extra stability for that somehow. Rich people create jobs, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Trickle down economics. <laughs> yeah. Someone has to be the butler and wipe that lord's ass. Uh, mill is 6 BP and must be next to water. Monument is 6 BP. A park is 4 BP, peers are 16, excuse me, BP, a shop is 8, shrine is 8, smith is 6, a stable is 10, tannery is 6, a tavern is 12, temple's 32, that's out of range here, a tenement is 1 BP, the staggering number of low-rent cheap housing units, tenements count as houses for the purpose of fulfilling building requirements, but building too many tenements can increase a kingdom's unrest quickly. You can build a house over an existing tenement for 2 BP. That adds unrest. Building slums. Yeah, piling cheap housing on is bad. <laughs> uh, tradesman for 10 BP. What does the tradesman give us? Uh, it must be adjacent to a house and a shop front for tradesmen, such as a baker, butcher, candlestick maker, <laughs> uh, cooper, or rope maker. <laughs> I can't believe they snuck that in there. That's in the good. most rules-heavy bit, they were like, yeah, we'll do, the, we'll do a little joke. I, I think a house and a tradesman, I think we should start with. Tradesman seems more BP cost than necessary at the moment. You do the same with like a mill, which I think is like six. I think the mill we'd want to put in a different town, though. Why? Because we're at we're at the, or I guess it would we have parts of the river in our town, right, Connor? Yeah, for sure. And like you're right on the river and the lake. Yeah. Or, or even a tannery, I think, was cheaper, isn't it? I feel like the mill is good, though, because we have so much river. Yeah. Yeah, your city base value is going to... Let's wait for Eric. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about it when he gets back. I think they're both 500 GP. Um, no. Yeah. They both had... The mill and the tradesman had uh, city base value 500 GP. I think they're mm, both plus one on economy so. and stability. Um, it is weird watching... The mill, the mill doesn't have the golds. Ah. So that, then my vote would be for the tannery then. Yeah, so the only one that adds to our value is the shop because it's like a... It's not just having like... The uh, the store it's having tradesmen. What what does increasing the gold value of our city do? City base value. You need to have a base value for certain things at some points. Um, I think building large important things. Well, because like that's the difference between the trades shop right now and like the mill or the tannery is base value of the city would go up if we were to build that. So a tannery can't be adjacent to a house for what that's worth. Yeah, because of the chemicals. 
Yeah, no, but I, okay, but okay, scroll down. Yeah, I know. It's just plus 500 GP is the only difference. That's something we should be concerned about right now, you think? I think eventually it will want it because, like, having having the higher value again, it means that we can have the, like, nicer things. Like, we wouldn't be able to put a mansion in this town because we don't have, like, the internal economy. Whereas, like, if we have these other things, it gives us these, uh, these like, thresholds we cross where we can have different things put in. So my, my vote still in is for either the mill or the tannery just because they're cheaper in BP cost. I I would say if we're only building like our first thing, yeah, it should be something not terribly expensive, but it, yeah, it should boost multiple things. So the tannery and the craftsman are my my two. I think the craftsman probably would come after anyways. Tannery makes sense. And with us, yeah, we're hunting and gathering and finding like pelts and stuff. Tannery is cheaper than the trades thing. Yeah. Yeah, let's go tannery. Sure. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's a base value. Here we go. Base value associated with city built in this manner is tied not to size, but rather to the number of economy-based buildings it has. Any magic item is available for purchase 75% of the time. A city's entire base value is an upper limit of 16,000 GP per city. Oh, so that's just in terms of magic item availability. Yeah. The upper cost yep. that item can be. Okay. Yep. We're not worried about that right now, like you said. So yeah, let's go with the tannery. So you need a tannery, which will be 6 BP and cannot be adjacent to a house. So let's go reduce your BP down to 18. You can put a tannery pretty much anywhere except beside house. You don't have any houses yet, so it doesn't matter. Put it right next to the castle. Right next to the castle? You want your castle smelling a tannery? Uh, up up one. Uh, right in the corner, right in the, the top corner. This one here? Yeah. I didn't realize it only took up like a one little square there. Yeah, it's a little guy. Yep. Can we not also build a house though for essentially for free because it doesn't apply to the build thing? You could build one if you want, yep. Yeah, house as well. Where would you like your house? Thinking right in the middle square and then lower, yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, lower left. That way we can build all around it. Perfect. And how much was a house? Three. Three. So we spent nine? What else do we need, guys? We got a tannery, some houses, killing it. Yeah, all the all the treated leather we can eat. <laughs> well, that, we're also going to get farmland in the next phase, right? So, yeah, and then we can now uh, with the farmland, we have to do a lot to put that put a town in a hex that doesn't have something established. Or once it's established and farming, we can start putting stuff in. So you cannot have a town in a farm hex. They are separate. Perfect. That's uh, That simplifies that a lot. You've claimed your hex. You've built your buildings. Roads. We're now into roads. Yep. So we can go back to the map here. You can make your road towards the Thorn River here. E19 where the bridge lives. Yes. So the bridge doubles the cost to two because there's already a bridge there. I'm just going to make it one, the normal one. And we'll say you fortify the bridge to allow cart travel. Uh on that map, then, do we now have to build roads in our city? In my head, the road is like the highways, not like inner city roads. So do we get a free road in G19? Yeah, so your first road was G19 to F18. Your second road is F18 to E19. Okay, sorry. In my head, we're doing G19's road, F18's road, and F19. I think it's cutting like center of hex to center of hex is what they're accounting for. That's what I've been doing. Okay, that's fine. I just, that's that's how I want to do it. I think they're just saying put it in that hex, but I think giving it a direction makes it more reasonable as well. 
Okay. Okay, so you've got your road, and now you can establish a farmland. You can develop any grassland or hill hex that contains roads into farmlands. Helps sustain your kingdom's consumption. It costs 2 BP to designate a grassland hex, so that'll cost you 2 BP. And it will reduce your consumption by 2 BP. So we minus 2 there, and then... And then that should change your consumption down too. Nice. God, the spreadsheet's great. This is very cool. And back to edicts. So you can change your edict levels from what they were. I think we're good. Then we move to our income phase. We start with deposits, which you haven't done anything new, so I doubt you're going to do that. Withdrawals, I doubt you want to take anything out. You ready for my roll? Now we generate income. Yep, you're going to make an economy check against the control DC, which is now 23. Your economy is seven. It's 23 now? Why is it 23? Uh, you have increased the size of your kingdom. Oh, fuck. I've only rolled an 11 this time. Oh, we didn't make it. Did not make it. That's 18. So if you're successful, gain BP. If not, nothing. So that's it. Nothing happens. Sorry, sorry, gents. You broke. It's all good. It's the one with the least, um, it's the one with the least amount of penalty for failure. This turn... This month, nothing eventful happens. You have not upset anyone. None of that nonsense. And we go back. But who will I kill to reduce? So we've done two of the kingdom management turns now. Give you an idea of what they are. Seeing how long they take and how very similar they are. We are going to cut the recording here and jump back in when we're done. Unless something fun and eventful happens. But we'll see about that. Have you guys heard about that geriatric bat on Twitter? Motherfuckers. <laughs> Moving on. Let's do the time warp again. We have to go back. It is Groundhog Day after all. Oh, Tom. Poor, it's poor Groundhog Tom Day Hanks. today, isn't it? Yeah. What? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Bill Murray. Do you mean Bill Murray that, from Meatballs? Listen, it's been a long That's day. what he's from? That's what you know Bill Murray from? <laughs> Meatballs? If you're not able if you're not able to reference <laughs> the one Groundhog's Day. It's like Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters, but I haven't seen Ghostbusters in my adult life. I've seen wow. a bunch. I've seen meatballs. You haven't seen Ghostbusters? Hold on. This is this. Watched as a kid. I watched as a kid, but I haven't seen it in my adult life. It holds I didn't up. Say that. It holds up. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one ever. Even though I'm pretty sure Sigourney Weaver's in that. She's that's in the first usually one. like a just a one hit for me. It's so good, but bad at the mm-hmm. same time. So, like I said earlier. I will be just summarizing the turns, more or less, and interspersing some clips of the fun stuff or the interesting stuff here or there. Um, We made a number of rules mistakes constantly throughout this, so sort of by the end we've got it, and now that we haven't played again for another month or two, we will have forgotten completely. So look to that for episode 19. But moving forward, on month three, we start the month with the regular stability check against the Kingdom's Command DC. At this moment, it is 23, and Baynard rolled a 5. Therefore, he was 8 short of the required command check, and that increases the Kingdom's Unrest by 2. We then move to the Kingdom's Consumption. At this point, they have a consumption of 1, so the Treasury loses 1 build point, and they're now at 12 build points. We do an Unrest check. If Unrest is equal to or greater than 11, The kingdom loses a hex, as chosen by the council. At this point, not an issue. The royal enforcer, in this kingdom's case, the new player, Anna Ram, subtracts one unrest from the kingdom's unrest total. And I have a clip. 
It's currently two. Yeah. If you have a royal assassin, reduce unrest by one. Which is the enforcer. Yes. Yeah, so you can reduce one of those unrest. Yes, we can. And run. Being fucking useful. Oh, yeah, I do assassinate the, the yeah. pregnant lady. <laughs> <laughs> no one can know. Next, we move to the select leadership action. This is generally where you'll hear Taylor or Marcus discuss where he wants his bonus to be applied to. We might add or remove characters from leadership roles in the future, but at the moment, we don't do that for the rest of the game. We just move Taylor's bonus around. Next step is to claim hexes. Uh, at this point, I let them peek behind the curtain a little and showed them my map with all of the numbered tiles. They agonize over claiming more land because it increases the command DC check. They do eventually claim the bridge in hopes of claiming the gold mine past the bridge next. That costs 1 BP, brings their treasury to 11. The next step is to establish and improve cities. Here they can build or destroy buildings within city limits. They debate for quite some time between a brothel and a brewery. They eventually settle on a graveyard, completely unrelated. That costs seven, sorry, that costs four BP, leaving them with seven remaining. And I have another clip. Listen, a cleric saying that he wants a graveyard makes me think you have some necromancy in mind, and I can't. I have, I have Phrasma on the brain because of Glaircon. Listen, that's economy and loyalty. You've got my vote. Where would you like your graveyard to go? Right next to the neighborhood that's there. I don't think that's a good idea. So there's people who can be eaten by the zombies that Eric raises. Will we deal with them? I say off to the left of the castle. Yeah. Well, because he's a holy king, I think he'd like to have his saints and such interred nearby. Yeah, sure. I picture that being the influence of your cousin. Yeah. Like, we must have the graveyard, or however you're doing his voice. Um... Baynard, I think we should have the oh, graveyard. Baynard, <laughs> we need the graveyard near that castle. I'm gonna murder everybody. Both, just different voices. You both did, but both very good. <laughs> I'm a fan of either. Your cousin's gonna die. Just do 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 pigeon toady for me. Oh my goodness, I wish I could. Oh my goodness, what's some of the words he does? Uh, I forgot you guys. My girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of a Canadian goose. <laughs> My Canadian girlfriend, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Stay on, stay on target, people. Yeah. Come on. The next step is roads and farms. Uh, in this turn, they did build both one road and one farm for a total of negative two BP, leaving them with five BP. Next, they have the option to choose new edicts. At this point, they made no changes. Next is the income check, where... Baynard makes an economy check against the command DC. The total, if they pass the check, is divided by five, and then that amount is added to the treasury. Baynard fails for the third turn. There's no special event this turn. We move on to turn four. Turn four stability check was now 24 DC because they've increased their kingdom size with one new hex. They failed. So unrest went up by two. This leaves them at three total due to Anoran's negative one. There was no consumption. They're flat. They're even. They debated for quite some time whether to claim a hex due to their low build points, uh, but they did eventually claim the mine. They did not build any new farms, again, waiting to build a mine on that hex. 
they did, however, build a rose that leaves them with three BP. No edict changes, and the income phase, I have another clip. Uh, we're on to the income phase. We skipped the first three because there's nothing going on there. And now you roll an economy check against your command DC. Come on, Eric. 15 or higher. Come on, Eric. No. No, Eric. No. I rolled a five. No. Nope. No money. <laughs> Full whammy. All my D20s are cursed. All of them. <laughs> That's okay. I have an event for you. Ooh, is a money making <gasps> event? I don't think so. Damn it. I mean, it's less interesting. So, a new family of nobles has arrived. Taxing. They see how pathetic your city is, and they offer to build you a park as a goodwill gesture as they settle into your new kingdom. Question. Yes. Is this, like, a family we would have a name for and we can, like, look into, or is this just kind of a generic event on the table? It's a generic event on the table, but we will make them part of the world now my thinking is i just wanted to like insight to see if there's like some sort of favor they'll call in later or if they're like actually altruistic or if they were run out for some negative reason that'll bite us later uh sure what does the park um cost long term are they covering the cost of that they cover the costs it's uh they cover the full costs let me just see what the benefit is a park is loyalty plus one unrest minus one do it. Can I do like a sense mo check on them? Yeah, please do. So I want to do knowledge nobility so you can make some small decisions based on that. Ooh, uh, not natural 20, 19 plus one. Okay. Uh, you, we know where they're from, I guess. Yeah, and Eric, what did you roll? So I get plus seven in my roll, because I still roll like shit. Jesus. All right. Can I, can I assist with that in some way? Nope, I'll just mix them together. Sorry, I'm just coming up with a good name here. I don't have a name generator ready. Brevoy, we've determined is kind of like... Uh, Romanic. Like, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's where uh, Oleg is from. Maybe it's the Russians. No, Oleg is from the country to the east. Heroic horse names. Do it. Yeah, Heroic yeah, 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 yeah. Horse Heroic names. horse names. Up, 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 up. There it is. Down, down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Fedora, yeah. the heroic horse. <laughs> oh, Sancho. Wait, no, go again. No, do it again. No, do it again. no, no. We're, we're do you, already these are generally. nine o'clock. Yeah. yeah, so just Pirate cycle names. through them for a second. Pirate yeah, names. names. Marmaduke. I like, uh, I like Farmanus. <laughs> Duke Farmanus. <laughs> Good God, these are awesome. Marmaduke, come on, Marmaduke's great. Powell is fine. Actually, Marmaduke is great. There's got to be a noble family name thing here. What's noble house names? I Fucking finally. Uh, winter doll is cool. With an A? Yeah. Okay, so the winter doll family is building a park for you. The winter doll park. Perfect. Winter doll? Winter doll? Winter doll, yeah. I was going to say, my, my character's last name is doll, so I should... I should uh... Jesus, that took too long. Um... So yes, the noble house of Winterdahl has offered to build a park, which gives you plus one loyalty, minus one unrest. However, they choose where it goes. Yeah, we'll take the park. Did I get anything from my from my sense motive? Sorry. Yeah, they um, they just don't want to live in a shitty place. 
Can I sense motive why they aren't living somewhere else? Sure. Okay. Uh, that is going to be, with a plus 11, a 30 for the second 19 I've rolled tonight. Do you get plus 11 to sense motive? I'm an inquisitor. Holy shit. <laughs> I have a plus 15 to my acrobatics, so I can believe it. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, so they they seem like they left not in a hurry. They have all their stuff with them. They've made the move purposefully. So maybe in the months that we, since we were gifted from Bravoy, they were like, oh, new place, we'll go and we'll rough it for a bit. That kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you haven't been able to- They weren't to like chased out. out? No, they were not chased yeah. out. I should, I should be able to gather a lot on a 30. There's not much to gather from them showing up and building a park, right? Like it's- Onwards. Oh, the menagerie having a CR rating is scary. <laughs> well, that is scary. You get a high enough, it's like, look, we have manticores <laughs> in the park. <laughs> we then move on to turn five, where we roll another stability check, which has gone up again to 25 because of the new hex. Baynard rolled a 12, and unrest increased by two, and Anoran brought it back down by one. They had one BP left in their treasury after consumption, and their unrest total was three. No leadership changes, no hex claims, no roads or farms this turn. They did discuss changing taxes, and at this point we figured out that we had been using the spreadsheet incorrectly and that some of the data was incorrect on the spreadsheet itself. So we moved that to a manual position. And again, the link for all of this will be in the show notes. You can go take a look at what we're using. In doing that, I also added a single build point due to some error earlier. During the income phase, Baynard needed to roll 12+, plus, and he rolled an 8. Once again, no income this month. There was an event this turn, and I have another clip. I have some good news. We have an event. Okay, hit us with it. Yes. Bandits attack, you lose one BP. <laughs> Don't say that. Some townsfolk uh-huh. have been out clearing forests and prepping roads and stuff, and they have discovered... A magical item. Ooh, sell it. This magical item is that charisma headband. Yes. So it will fill one of your slots this month, and you'll be able to purchase it for 4,000 GP. Excellent. Turn six. Because they did not claim a new hex, their stability check was still 25. Baynard rolled a natural one. This increased their unrest to four total after the unrest plus two and negative one for Anoram. During their consumption phase, their treasury emptied as they were now expending more than they had. They also bought the headband from the previous event so that Baynard would have a zero on his charisma check rather than a negative one. They had another lengthy debate on taxes during the edicts phase and decided against any changes. Baynard also failed this income check, and there was no event. On month seven, during the stability check, Baynard rolled a natural 20. And for the first stability check success in quite some time, we forgot what happened. And it turns out unrest goes down by one, plus the negative one from Anoran leaves them at two unrest total. During the consumption phase, they go to negative two. This increases their unrest by another two, which puts them to four unrest total once again. Due to the low treasury, they skipped building, 
claiming hexes, building roads, and any tile improvements for this turn. The team at this point spent some time regretting building the castle on Fort Stag now that they're in debt. During the income event, Baynard failed once again, and there was no further event this turn. At this time, the king's court had grown anxious at the lack of income, and King Baynard deferred all economic decisions to Marcus and Oleg. He also passed the stability check to Anaran, moving forward as his royal enforcer. On turn 8, Anaran's first stability check at the helm left them with a much smaller failure, which meant that there was no change to the unrest. It stayed level. And by the end, with Anaran's negative 1, it brings them down to 5. Consumption, they're now to negative 4 treasury. And we skipped directly to the income phase once again, because they had no money. Marcus's first income check is a natural 20. I'm working with Oleg and the underbelly of this fledgling kingdom has proven Marcus's competency and worth in guiding the kingdom's finances. He earns the kingdom 6 BP, bringing their treasury to positive 2. We have an event this turn as well, and I have a clip. Royal, not royal I guess, but the artist that the Winterdahl family has brought with them has made an exceptional painting. Exceptional. Exceptional. It has colors. His name is Sherwin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I'm hanging up. It's a me, a Sherwin Williams. Stop I have this. made a great painting. <laughs> he has created a masterpiece work. Awesome. This increases your country, your kingdom's fame. You get 1d6 build points. <gasps> Unrest is reduced by 2. Your people <gasps> are very happy with this. And you get a temporary econ bonus of four. Hot fucking dog. That's good. So, who wants to roll your d6? Yeah, Marcus, you roll that for us, man. Yeah, that's all you, bud. I got a five. That's awesome. What's the painting of? Is it Baynard smashing the stag lord? Um, sure, yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's amazing. Sorry, you, you meant with your hammer, but I thought you meant like from behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's in jest because really I really give it. Oh yeah. Uh very gross. So by the end of turn eight, with their new painting, brings the treasury to plus seven. Turn nine. Anoran continues in her new role as the stability check enforcer and rolls an eighteen against the twenty-five check, which adds two unrest leaving them at five total for the time being. The consumption is two, bringing the treasury total down to five. And Anoran, with her negative one, changes unrest back to four. They skip claiming any hexes, but they do put a farm where the mine will eventually be, arguing that they need the reduction in consumption now, and they can change it later. During the income phase, Marcus rolls again a 33, giving them another additional six build points, bringing them to nine total. No edicts this turn, uh, but we do have a new event. Uh, okay, so that moves to our event. We have another positive event. Having seen the kingdom begin to prosper, you have a new retinue of subjects arrive. Shit. It's fine, it doesn't really mean anything. But it improves your society, your stability, Ooh. increases your, sorry, reduces your unrest, 
and you have some new treasury Ooh. additions. It's an exploding D6. Ooh. Ooh. Taylor, that's you. Okay. What do I have to do? Every D6 you roll, you add. So if you roll a six, you just keep going. Yeah. Hmm. This is too much pressure. You're telling me, man. <laughs> that's one six. Okay. Okay, come on. Oh, that's four. That's cool. You get ten. Ten. There we go. There's our mind. Wow. Black market connections. That's what this is. Turn 10. Anoran on a losing streak fails the stability check once again, bringing unrest up by two, and then she brings it down by one. There's no consumption. They were flat because of their new farm. They argue at length whether a mine's plus one is better than a farm's negative two. We end up determining that farms can share hexes with some other improvements, which we have been arguing was not the case up until this point, but a mine can be the only improvement on a hex. So for the time being, that hex as a farm is fine, but if they ever want to put a mine on it, the farm has to go. We also determined during this, I think it was 25-minute rule check, that when a farm produces more than the kingdom consumes, it's added into the treasury as an export. So at this point, they claim hex C20 and build a farm, net negative 3 BP. They build a road for another negative 1 BP, and they change their edicts to add a yearly holiday to encourage and foster happiness and growth in the kingdom. Marcus passes yet another income check for a total of 5 BP, and we have another clip. Okay, so your first annual holiday has occurred. It is the Harvest Day, conveniently. So it's known as Archer Feast, Arastal's yearly holiday of the harvest. Oh, it's going to be annual Mock the King Day. The day after that Archer Feast, there are a dozen slaughtered sheep in the farm next to the city. No one's quite sure what happened. It doesn't look coordinated planned in any meaningful way that there are a dozen slain sheep. Uh, can I do any sort of check? Like, Should we tell him investigate that shit? Yeah, can I do knowledge dungeoneering to see, or would it be dungeoneering? Some sort of knowledge to see what killed them? Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific one based on like the type of creature or like... Nope, just give me a flat knowledge roll. Okay. Um, that's tough because I have like a thousand knowledges. Do you have nature? Uh, I do not have nature. Okay, then you get plus your bonus. Yeah. Baynard's still a bit hungover from the holiday, so his knowledge nature rolls a six. Yikes. So he's useful. I get a total of a ten. Okay. Um, it looks animalic. An animal has killed sheep. It's hunting down. Let's go. Oh, uh, can I do knowledge local to identify the monster? Who said it's a monster? Like to identify. <laughs> I said it's an animal. Sorry. Um, sorry. Like to identify what type now that we know that it's not people. How How about a survival check and we can track this motherfucker? Yeah, I'll give you survivals. 18 for survival. Plus 8 to survival. Only get a, uh, a 15. So I can add, I think that be, that gets Eric a plus 2. Yeah. Okay. Um you sort of follow a path that seems to have led away with some blood 
tripped and trailed. Uh, it doesn't lead anywhere in particular, unfortunately. There's no solid path to follow. Are, there, are my helpful tracking friends able to identify what type of beast? No? Okay. Oh, sorry. I can I can look for tracks again. If we're specifically looking to follow tracks, if I do the roll, I can do a plus There's 10. No tracks. All right. Well, then uh, okay. Damn. keep the eyes open and get back to it. Can I go back to the sheep and try to identify it? I feel like it did... I've got I've got so many conditional ones. Like if I'm trying to identify tracks, would you count claw marks as tracks? Yeah. I want to know yeah, what sure. did this. Okay. Uh only a 16. It's an animal with claws. Mountain lions. Just so excited to roll dice. I know. I gave that one to you guys for a little bit of interaction. Turn 11. The stability check this turn is quite literally impossible for them to pass. However, Anoran is successful in so much as she rolls a natural 20, which keeps the unrest flat. We go through the consumption phase as usual. They decide not to claim any new hexes, build any farms or roads. During the building phase, there's another lengthy discussion between the merits of an orphanage and a jail. At one point, we note that they're fairly similar, but eventually they went with the jail. This brings them down to two unrest. Marcus passes yet another income phase with a 31 for a total of plus 6 BP. There's no event this turn. We now come to turn 12, which is the final turn for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. The stability check is finally a pass. And at this point, we reduce unrest by one. They also have now reduced their unrest to zero, which increases all of their other stats. We found out that while the kingdom is at an unrestful state, the loyalty, economy, and stability checks are more difficult. Who would have thought? King Baynard halts Hex expansion for the time being in favor of building up the nation capital, Caber. The treasury sits at 12 BP. They decide to build an herbalist for better stability, and it gives them a minor magic item slot for the future. Marcus passes his, I believe, sixth income phase in a row. Four plus six BP. We have another event this turn. It's the last event of the episode. Once again, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for joining us on episode 18, the spreadsheet episode. Your new herbalist is called back to that same farm. Mm -hmm. The entire stock of sheep has been slaughtered. All right. This is, this is adventure time. I call dibs. Let me roll. Let me roll my uh, my survival to identify the creature. I'm plus ten. I get a twenty five on a fifteen. There are very large claw marks raked through most of these sheep. Go kill that ass. That's it. That's all I know. That's all you get. Oh my god! There is a large trail of blood leading back to town that starts. To taper off. Town? We have a werewolf! Do we have a fucking werewolf? You're gonna have to find out next time. Werewolf! Werewolf! Werewolf!